mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I love puzzle games, but what I really love about Best Fiends is it's not just a puzzle game. It's really cute with these little characters that you have to unlock, and they grow, and the whole thing has a story. It really engages your brain. It's a lot of fun. And not only do I play it, but I challenge my eight-year-old son to the same game, and we have so much fun playing together. Another great thing about Best Fiends is it's constantly updated, so that there's always new levels, there's always new events, it never gets old. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. everybody welcome to marriage of martinis i'm adam here's danielle hello what is this like day 224 of uh quarantine self-quarantine let's not even talk about the coronavirus there's enough of that out there oh yeah yeah i mean i wanted to do an episode about it you kind of did with your sister with life coach Jamie. i mean i kind of no, did you did but there was stuff that i wanted to talk about that wasn't part well, of that we episode. still can okay yeah all right are people sick of hearing about it already probably but like is it enough? Well, I wasn't even going to put this episode out because um, I just figured right now people's patterns and their days are all messed up and maybe everybody isn't rushing to listen to podcasts that they usually do. Um, but then I listened to it on a walk with our dogs and I've been feeling anxious as I'm sure a lot of people out there have, especially if you're already a sufferer of anxiety. This can be very triggering, all the uncertainty. And just listening to Paige and Catherine just made me feel calmer and better, even though the, we taped this before this all started. Taped. On we our, taped on it. On our VCR? We, we taped it. What do, you, <laughs> yeah. what do you call it? I guess recorded it. Oh, we recorded <laughs> it? What? Did you set your... Uh... I, set my, I set my station to the channel, <laughs> right. to the... Uh, your program was my on My program it? was on. What time was it on? Yeah, my program, yeah. Days of Our Lives. <laughs> right. Um... So after hearing them, I felt just a sense of relief, even though they're not talking about what we're going through right now. It's all about maternal mental health and this motherhood center that they started in New York City, which I visited. I talk about that um, when I walked in. I just cried because I was so happy that they were doing this. Finally, something like this was available for women, for moms, for pregnant women. Um, and we talk a lot about PMADS, which is now what they call, um, it's the term now for what we used to call um, PPD, postpartum depression. So they tell us all about PMADS. Um, we talk all about anxiety and motherhood, anxiety and fatherhood. Um, and uh, Paige and Catherine are the founders. Catherine Berndorf is co-founder and medical director of the Motherhood Center. For 10 years, Dr. Berndorf was a, me a regular mental health columnist for Self Magazine and has appeared on numerous television shows, including The Today Show, Good Morning America, and MSNBC, and CNN. Paige Bellenbaum is the founding director and chief external relations officer for the Motherhood Center. And when her first child was born, Paige suffered from severe postpartum depression that nearly ended her life. Once she began to heal, she became committed to fighting for education, screening, and treatment for postpartum depression so that no other woman ha would have to suffer silently. She drafted legislation in New York State that was championed by State Senator Liz Krueger, mandating education for strongly 
encouraging screening to all new and expecting mothers that was signed into law in 2014. They are doing so much for women's mental health, maternal mental health. And I really think you're going to love this episode. We talk a lot about what I went through and it's going to make a lot of you feel a lot less alone, no matter what you're going through right now. And we're sending love to all of you and we are going to all get through this together. So uh, enjoy listening, stay safe and um, we'll get through it. Hi, Paige. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, We're very excited. Um, I went to visit the Motherhood Center um, about a month or two ago. And um, it was so interesting because um, I've shared my story many times that I was, you know, I had terrible anxiety during my pregnancy. And afterwards, I had severe postpartum with my first child. and it was interesting when I learned about the Motherhood Center, first of all, your first thought as a sufferer of, you know, postpartum, someone who's gone through something so traumatic is, oh, my God, why wasn't this available when I was pregnant and when I had my daughter? Um, and when I walked in, it was crazy. It was sort of like the second I walked in, it was just waterworks. I know. I remember. I just couldn't. I know Adam wasn't with me. You weren't with me. My sister was with me. Um, and I just – I couldn't – I walked in and I just couldn't control myself. It was like this feeling of, first of all, great being grateful that you guys are doing what you're doing. Um, and second of all, like a, oh, man, I only wish – you know, I only wish it had been. Um, so – can you both just, first of all, tell us about the Motherhood Center, what you're doing? It's such a beautiful place. I wish everybody could actually just go and see it because it really is beautiful. Wait, can I get a definition before we even start with that? Yes. Because I'd like to know exactly postpartum, what exactly that means, because I never considered what you – not considered, and I'm not questioning you – that it was – Referred to as postpartum because I knew you had suffered with you know extreme anxiety and yeah, extreme. Well, I know. had more perinatal, the you know perinatal depression during, but it was really anxiety and OCD during my pregnancy. Okay, so I, I would just like to know exact. I guess textbook definition. I guess both the perinatal, yeah. if you want to define both. It's an excellent question and a good place to start because I think people are very confused. Yeah. And the thing with confusion is, if you're confused, you don't know what you have and you don't ask for help. So. People say postpartum, and then it's like, well, if you've had a baby, you're postpartum. But not everybody has illness or symptoms or struggling in their adjustment, right? So postpartum or what used to be called postpartum depression, PPD, we are now calling PMADS, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Now, you might say, like, why with that kind of not that great acronym? Because it's inclusive to your point exactly, which is it's mood, which is depression, bipolar illness, other kinds of affective illnesses, and anxiety disorders, which include phobias, generalized anxiety disorders. Used to include OCD, got booted from anxiety disorders, but we still consider oh, it such. Bummer. No, no, it's still in there. It's still there. <laughs> it's essentially still. We okay. consider it okay, colloquially good. still there. But it's like it creates this umbrella for what was postpartum, the, you know, quote unquote, or finally what people started calling, you know, oh, you have PPD. But people would say, well, I'm not postpartum and I'm not depressed. They were pregnant and anxious or mm-hmm. pregnant and depressed or postpartum and anxious. So it didn't include everyone. And what we're trying to say is you're all welcome <laughs> under this right. umbrella. Everyone. You're all included. Everybody's welcome. Totally. Yeah. Because the point is, is if it's, if it's not normal, we welcome you, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because it's all quote unquote normal. It's a terrible word. But if it's out of the ordinary and pretty much everything is because it's hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is hard. And your story when you came in, I was telling Catherine in the cab on the way over here that I remember you walking in and 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 shedding those tears because uh, this wasn't here for you. Yeah. Um, and that so many women will will walk in and have the same reaction. Or if Catherine and I are out giving a presentation somewhere, a lot of middle-aged women will come up and be like, where were you when right. I needed you? Right. Um, and the truth is, when we look at the, the, the stats and how frequent and common perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are, it's one in five women. Um, and for those of us who do this work, we know it's probably more, but there's such an enormous stigma and there's so much shame around 
not feeling like you're doing this right, not enjoying it more, not feeling as though you're a natural and things are coming to you with a maternal instinct, which, by the way, doesn't exist. There was just research done about it. There's no such thing as a maternal instinct. Uh, and so thankfully, now we're starting to talk about it more. We're starting to normalize this experience. Um, and so to be able to offer this kind of treatment to women that are suffering across the spectrum of acuity in regards to PMADs, whether they have mild symptoms, moderate or very severe and acute, uh, at the Motherhood Center, we're able to cater to wherever they're at on that spectrum. So either through support groups to give them an opportunity to experience community. That's such a big part of recovery, just being able to be around other women who are telling similar stories. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my God, you have that too? Well, we didn't talk about that in my new mom's group where everybody was comparing formula and diaper brands, right? Like, oh, other people are having a really hard time to outpatient therapy, medication management, and what is really special about what we do, the day program. Um, and that's for women who are really having a hard time. And they uh, bring their babies. We have an on-site nursery. They're there five hours a day, five days a week. They get all kinds of wraparound intensive group therapies, individual therapy, couples work, family work. We have a partner support group because it's hard for partners too to navigate this whole transition sure. that's going much differently than they thought it was going to go. Mm -hmm. We've been there. So, Well, I, I have a uh, question, which you don't have to spend too much time on if you don't want to. What What's causing this? Why is this happening? Why are people becoming so full of anxiety and depression in this postpartum situation? I, it's not happening to men or is it? Oh, yeah. It is. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, so I didn't know if it's more of an internal chemical thing going on in your body that it just affects women because they're the pregnant part of, uh, part of the relationship. So I didn't know if, so this does exist for men. Yes. Okay. And we don't entirely understand why it exists for women, but it's been happening since time immemorial. It's been around forever. We know we have, you know, cases back in olden days, you know, always of women struggling of, of, you know, in the worst cases, women or, you know, killing their infants, right? Like these terrible psychotic illnesses that can happen um, and there wasn't treatment for or depressions. These kinds of things have been happening always. I think the fact that you're, that we're here on your awesome podcast and talking about this is evidence that the word is getting out mm -hmm. and that it's much more, um, common. You know, there are a lot of celebrities talking about this, bringing, shedding light on it. And, you know, people everywhere coming forward, you know, with the, um, with social media, just telling their stories, which blows the lid off the secret, which is that it's, Heart, it's an adjustment for everyone that it's the biggest life transition. I, I can't imagine, you know, anyone else going through that. It's, it's what else? It's profound. It's, it, it's earth shattering. It's forever changing. It's irreversible, right? I mean, you can get divorced, but you can't really return the kid. Right. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, I suppose you can in some cases, but generally speaking, <laughs> there's a the no firehouse? returns. Right. I mean, there are ways, but generally speaking, it is this, this developmental stage, um, sometimes referred to as matrescence, kind of like adolescence. It's super rocky and tumultuous that doesn't get a lot of credit or airtime because maybe it's the matrescence piece is women, right? Just for women, women becoming moms, the process of becoming a mother. But for men, I mean, you could, there is, aversion, patrescence, but also just the idea of becoming fathers or just moving into the stage of parenthood is a big deal mm -hmm. that gets underplayed because it's supposed to be natural and normal and everybody goes through it. And why do you need a break for that? Like, you need time off? You need adjustments? Like, what's your problem? Everybody else is doing it. It's easy. Totally wrong. I mean, occasionally, how many people? I mean, I know about like three people over 25 years of being a psychiatrist who were like, yeah, it was super easy. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe three in pregnancy, three in post. I don't know what right. they were on. But generally speaking, everyone is struggling more or less or at least adjusting than they should be. That's regular, typical, should be the case. It's just how much, you know, how um, – kind of uh, off or um, how distressed do they feel by it? You know, how much is it impacting them, incre you know, um, 
oh my gosh, sorry, I'm losing my words. Um, their functionality affecting, affecting them. Yeah. Like how much functionality is really affected? Well, I guess if a, if a husband already suffers from anxiety or any other form of you know mental illness, more likely. this is going to bring it on totally. more and bring it to that level of what kind of what we're talking about today, I guess. Yeah, right? for partners and for women, right? Like yeah. that's one of the things that we need to be screaming from the rooftops, right? We do so little prevention as a society and education to women and their partners around the prevalence of PMADs. And one thing we know is if you have a history of mental illness, you're at a much higher risk to develop a PMAD during pregnancy. And yes, if you're a partner, if you're a man, you're at a higher risk because this is an incredibly stressful, vulnerable in some instances, incapacitating experience. So we do know that to be true. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we could be doing such a better job of letting people know who's at greater risk, what to look for. One thing we, we talk quite a bit about is how important it is to have partners a part of this conversation. Because when women are really in it struggling, A, they're probably not telling anybody because they are so ashamed at how they're feeling. Um, and B, they don't know what to do. Um, impaired judgment is such an off, is something we see so often in women that are really struggling. I can't make a decision. I don't know what to do. I can't pick up the phone. I, I don't know how to help myself. Somebody please help me save me. And I share this story a lot when I had severe postpartum depression after my son. And this was 13 years ago. So I'm with you, Danielle. Yeah. If I had walked into the motherhood center and had nothing to do with it, I might have collapsed on the floor. Um, but you don't know what to do, where to turn. And so to have partners educated on what to look for, what are the symptoms? What are the treatment options available? How can I reach out and get the life preserver for my wife, which is our logo, so that she can be pulled ashore and start to heal. It's so important that partners know what to look for. Yeah, I can remember um, we've spoken about this before, and we were so young when this. I mean, I was 26 when I got pregnant the first time, and um, I think Adam was just floored by, you know, he didn't have uh, his, the women in his family didn't suffer from anxiety. They hadn't had he didn't seen anything like this, and I can remember him saying to me, um, "This sticks out so prevalently, prevalently in my mind." He would say to me. I don't understand. We're going to have this baby. We have this wonderful dog. We have this new home. What? Why can't you just be happy? Do you remember that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Many, many times. Right, many times. Yeah. That, you know, he couldn't, and, and, you know, he didn't know, like, he just didn't know. He <laughs> couldn't, he didn't know if he was going to have to institutionalize me, which was a real thought mm -hmm. at one point. Um, you know, and, and I think that, it was, it was beyond explanation at this point because we were so in it that like by the time, you know, we went to counseling and everything for it, um, I think he was just already like, holy crap, we're going to have this baby together. And this is how she's going to be as a mom for the Forever. next 18 years mm -hmm. or, you know, however long, like he didn't get that. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't see an end in sight. Mm -hmm. It certainly didn't seem like it for me. Um, so yeah, and, you know, it was like out of nowhere. Well, you always say, Paige, as a social worker, you didn't recognize it in yourself. So it's almost like hard to see when you're in it or hard to know what's happening when you're in it. So you're not alone in that experience. And so I think that's why the education and again, talking about it in this capacity is so important because you can talk about the signs and symptoms so that everyone can potentially recognize what's happening and therefore get treatment. Um, just for a second, if I can go back to causes, because we do, you asked the question, about 10% of men have postpartum depression, mm -hmm. and it's more common for them to have it if their partners have it. That makes sense. Yeah. I get that. It's more likely, yeah. right, if their partner is struggling. I'm wondering if, um, I know with women, you know, when, when with postpartum, you can't get out of bed, and there's a lot of, you know, anxiety and everything. Does it manifest differently in, with men? Like, for instance, a lot of times new dads will just often leave the house, or, you know, you, they won't be anywhere to be found, or they don't want to, you know, they won't participate with the baby or anything. Like, is it more, is it a different kind of manifestation? I, I'm thinking of again. Oh. We do this so we talk about this so much that yes. we'll just tell each other stories. Yeah, she's she is. Yeah, so we're going to use my husband as a great example. Yeah. Um, so after I had my son and I completely fell apart, um, he decided it would be a good time to start training for a triathlon. And so now the caveat to this is that we've worked very hard in our marriage to move past this decision that he made. 
We're much better for it. Uh, let's review. But he uh, just yeah. start a podcast. He, he <laughs> I, I thought about it. It's the answer to everything. I know. Just yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He um, started spending hours out of the house, swimming, biking, and running. Um, and when we were able to move to the other side, um, and I, I was able to feel better and really have open and honest conversations with him about what was going on for him, he was like, I, I couldn't bike, swim, or run fast enough from the situation. Like, I didn't know what to do. And I use this story a lot with partners, sometimes as an opening, because not to be stereotypical, but when I'm a woman sitting in a room full of men, that many of which have maybe not been in therapy or haven't really done a lot of feeling talk or anything like that. And I'm like, how is this for you? And they stare at me with wide eyes, like looking at their watch, like I could be at work right now. Mm -hmm. And I will tell that story. And there's this sense of like, I feel like that too. You know, like sometimes I stay at work because I'm afraid to come home because I don't know what I'm walking into. Or sometimes I stay at the gym a little bit longer. And it's like, okay, let's work with that, right? Like, I understand, right? Like this, this might feel like it's not something that you signed up for. And to your point, like, why can't, why can't my partner be happier about this and blissed out? The baby's healthy. She's doing fine. What's wrong? And then starting to deconstruct what is going on for her. Why is this so difficult? And even though you might not totally understand it, what are some skills and strategies that you can use to help her feel a little bit more supported and understood as she's going through this? so that you can get both get to the other side of it and then really start enjoying this, which is what treatment does. <laughs> treatment helps you get to the other side of it and actually really start enjoying being a parent. Yeah. Right. It's an illness. Okay. I, just plain and simple. It's a medical illness, right? Anxiety disorders, depression, depressive episodes, bipolar illness, whatever it is, OCD, those are medical illnesses just like uh, diabetes, just like high blood pressure, just like seizure disorders. And as true in pregnancy, people always want to minimize what the exposures are. So we tell people to go off their medications, right? That's the thought. That's the knee jerk. But in truth, one of the things I spend my days doing is talking to women and families about whether or not they should stay on a medication because their illness is such that if they go off, they will be unwell. That's not good for a fetus. That's not good for delivery, birth, and onward, right, for a, for a child, for a newborn. And yes, you can be on many medications while breastfeeding and while pregnant. But I think that people don't know that, and they're very scared about it. And yeah. Well, yeah, that's what happened. To, that's my story, basically, oh. is that um, when I was, you know, when I was getting ready to um, get pregnant, my doctor said to me, you you need to get off your SSRIs. Oh. And be, me being 26, you know, knowing you nothing, yep. I listen, you listen to your doctor. And um, oh, my God, the spiral that happened. And I slowly went back on, um, you know, with my first and then for my second, and my third, I was on mm -hmm. for both of them. Um but yeah, that, that, the thing for me was that, um, in my situation, my choice of doctor made it a gazillion times worse. Yeah. So, you know, whereas you want a doctor who's going to an OB, who's going to, you know, make you feel better. Oh my gosh. I, it, you know, I ended up writing him like a 10 page letter one, right. you know, because I didn't want it to happen to anybody else. What he was telling people was, you know, just, it wasn't true. And, um, yeah, and it wound up being huge. Problem. So, like, what are some? I mean, I wish someone had said to me, "When you look for an OB, this is what you need to look for." If you're if you're someone who suffers from anxiety and you're going to get pregnant, this these are your cues to leave, or these are your exactly. cues to stay. Right. I mean, I, I I'll let Catherine answer that question, but I will say that. Unfortunately, we hear these stories again and again. And this is not a slight against the medical profession. There are some excellent doctors out there. And in New York City, we're seeing more and more OBGYNs and pediatricians take PMAD seriously. And there's a bunch of them that aren't. And there is so much wrapped up. There is so much power in the words and the advice that a medical professional gives a woman during pregnancy and postpartum in her most vulnerable time, especially with the first, where she just wants to do everything right and she will do whatever that person says. And the, the enormity of the power of those words and the impact they can have on her as she goes through this process. And Catherine and I have done a few trainings like on labor and delivery floors and postpartum floors with nurses. And you want to be careful, right? Because a lot of these women have been doing this for a very long time. And it's not helpful to have someone say, 
you really need to be careful about how you talk to a new mom. But like saying, recognize the power of your words, because for a new mom who just delivered and it's her first child and she doesn't know what she's doing while she's breastfeeding, you know, it could be really busy out there. You could have 20 deliveries that you're dealing with. But here's two different ways you could deal with a situation. You could go in and say, Mom, what are you doing? That's not how you breastfeed a baby. Haven't you read any books? Or no, hold the baby like this. Or you could take a deep breath, go in and say, look at how close you are right now. Look at how the baby is making eye contact with you and feels so comfortable in your arms. Next time when you move to the other breast, maybe hold the baby's head up a little higher, right? Like, because it's that one moment sometimes in that new mom's life where the first scenario opens the floodgates for, I'm a terrible mother. I am horrible. I suck at this. I don't know what I'm doing. I suck at breastfeeding. I'm going to give the baby to the next nurse who walks by. Like, that advice and those words are so powerful just to remember the kind of impact that it has on a new mom in particular. Right. And also to, for my personal experience, I did, I did not breastfeed. This was like kind of before we knew whether or not breastfeeding and meds were okay and whatever. And I just, I knew for so many reasons that I wasn't going to breastfeed. And I tell the story about how they sent three different nurses in to try to convince me to breastfeed. Three, you know, and I was like fully okay with my, I was I was at a point where I was like, I have made this decision, it has taken me some time. I already dealt with all the, oh my God, how can you not breastfeed people around me? And now I had nurses. Like when I actually had made a decision that I was confident with, it was, you know, it was like three steps backwards of, oh, my God, what maybe I made the wrong choice. Right. And it, it, I mean, I think that generally the intentions are good. Mm-hmm. Right. But the message, it, 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 there's so much missed in that communication. Like, what do you want? Right? right. And it's your life and it's your baby. And mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Your, the opinion of this nurse or this doctor or the medical profession, I mean, is important. And how the the mother and the father or the family, you know, how that, that you know, what your um, kind of your background, your culture, there's so many different reasons why people choose to or not to do X, Y, or Z. And that has to be respected. But to Paige's point about power, you feel very vulnerable and like you're out of your realm and somebody else must know. And so if they're saying something like you should be doing this, the shame, I mean, it's just burning shame. And to your point about, um, you know, interviewing doctors or finding out who's doing what, what, what people say to me, oh, who do you know that like lets you be on meds and pregnancy? I'm like, it's a good question. I wish you weren't like whispering it and thinking it was the exception. Really, you want to find a psych- someone who's psychologically minded or at least interested in collaboration. I always say I won't work with some I, – I, I, I try not to disparage anyone, right? There are good doctors out there, some of whom have different ideas. And I'll say I, it's really nice if I can collaborate with that person so that we can put our heads together and do what's best for you. With you being in charge and telling us what you want, and we'll try and work around that within relative safety. And the same goes with a pediatrician. You want to, you know, a lot of people, at least in New York City, will go to meet pediatricians and and I'll say, tell them that you're on meds. Talk to them about your anxiety. Talk to them about your depression. Tell them why you take this. And will they be comfortable? You're working with a reproductive psychiatrist. You have someone who's expert in this area. Are they comfortable with that? Because you can't be at cross purposes with your doctor or you're, it, it creates a mess like you're describing. Mm-hmm. Um. I was also going to ask about, I think that there's this still this misconception that after um, a mom, when a mom is in the hospital and everything, um, 
I feel like we need to have a new established set of boundaries for people who are, you know, around the person because I'll never forget with my second son, um, we, I had him and I wasn't sure if I was going to be, I was so nervous if I was going to be postpartum or, or what was going to happen. And I remember they came in um, and they said he had to go into the NICU like a day and a half after I had him. And in, they they're walking out to tell me that they're taking him to the, in, to the NICU and our parents' friends are walking in <laughs> to the hospital to see me. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, first of all, I they're not even I mean, my kid my daughter hadn't even been yet, you know, at this point. Like and and it's sort of like what what are the you know, what what should people know about how what are those boundaries? I would say know that you're not gonna know. Right. I think so many times we go into labor and we have a very concrete plan. We had a lovely mom in the day program about a year ago who had a 10 page birth plan um, and struggled with acute anxiety. But but know know that as much as you might will your your delivery to go away. It might not. As much as you might will for the outcome to be a certain thing, it might not. And to leave room for that outcome, because I think so often, you know, especially in this day and age, we go and we're like, I'm going to have a natural birth with no epidural and I'm going to have my kids around me to catch the baby, you know, and like rarely does our birth plan work out that way. Like sometimes it does, but a lot of times it doesn't. And we don't know what to anticipate in the postpartum. So maybe before you make any decisions about what you think you are going to want to need, what you might need and want, give yourself a little bit of time to try on the immediate postpartum period. Um, and then maybe you're in a better position to decide whether or not you want company, whether or not right. you want visitors. But the thing is, and you mentioned this earlier, without perspective, if we've never done this before, we don't know what to expect, right? And because society and and so much that we read about and hear about makes us think, oh, delivery is this, and oh, they're going to put the baby on your chest, and you're going to feel this unconditional love. When they put my son on my chest, I was like, take him. I want to go in a dark room and eat a hamburger. I don't want to talk to anyone for four days, and I just want to sleep. Like I was like, you can't. I could not be far enough away from that thing that just put me through however many hours of labor. So give yourself permission to try it on first before you decide anything. And doesn't that sometimes mean like before you go into labor and stuff, having having a setup with people around you like, you know, maybe I don't want people at the hospital. And I think that that is something that like I never thought I could say that to people. They would have been like, that's so rude. How can you? And, and, and you know, everybody comes in and visits you. And all I wanted to say is please don't come to the hospital. Yeah, I think if you can, and again, to you, you may not know exactly, but you do know yourself a little and you know um, – you know who your parents are and who their friends are and who your in-laws are. And you can get a sense of that is not going to work or we're not even going to tell anyone until I'm home because I can't risk my intrusive mother or my disrespectful, disrespecting mother-in-law showing up unannounced and, and uninvited. So I have patients who will say, I don't tell anyone. We chose, we're choosing not to tell anyone or we are saying you will get a call when we go into to labor and you must wait, you know, six hours or one day or five days. Don't fly in until, you know, so you can, I think if, if you're lucky and you have good communication with your partner and you have a sense of what's happening within your family systems and friends who are going to want to come visit, you can have a heart to heart, you know, soul searching yourself, heart to heart with your partner and say, what do we want? And you may find that you want different things. That gets tricky when the partner's like, but my mom can come, no? And you're like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I don't want that. Or they say, you know, the one person says, but I want my mom there. And it's like, well, I think it should just be our new family, right? So all these things can come up, not all, but many you can start to talk about before delivery and um, before it all sets in and you are in the moment and it might be hard to figure it out, you can't have these conversations early on. And especially in the third trimester um, where you start to f say, like, what do you want? Well, here's what I'd like. And how does that work? And can we find common ground? And are we going to put a note on the door that says no visitors? And what if I feel rude? And can I say that to my parents' friends? 
And, you know, and who's going to run interference? And will I need a security guard or like, I don't know, some (laughs) version. Who's going to be that person? You know, I think that the more you can anticipate, and again, it's not always easy and you don't always know. And sometimes you change your mind and wish everybody were there. You told no one to come and you're like, I'm so lonely. Right. So it can change. But you do your best beforehand. If you talk about it, you're ahead of the game. I think if you were going through this now, it would be a completely different situation than it was. You would have everything laid out. You would know exactly who, like you would hand out your golden tickets to everybody who's allowed to right, come. Right, right, <laughs> right. And you would, no, but you would strategize, I'm sure, knowing because you're much stronger, you're much, you know, yeah. n- knowing who you want or what you want out of the situation. I think it would be a very different scenario today. Right, right. But I do think that there's still, I mean, I, I still think that there's like not enough boundaries for a new mom, right? Like there's yeah. just too much going on and mm-hmm. too much is allowed. But they're yours to create. Mm-hmm. It's just you don't know that. Right. That's exactly it. I had no idea that I could tell people, you know, and that's what I, I feel like I want to say that to new moms right. or, you know, people who are pregnant or whatever. Like this is your moment and, right. you know, whatever you have to do. Um I, when I was in the motherhood center, when I came to visit, uh, the first thing, of course, that you think to yourself is, well, duh, obviously this place should exist. Um, this is a no-brainer. But at the same time, when I walked in, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like in the Mecca, number one. Like this, this you know, felt like a holy land for women, you know, like just this ama- amazing place. And And then the frustration sets in of, oh, my God, why is this not on mm. every corner? Yeah, we ask ourselves that question every day, um, and we said we decided to start with one, and then uh, once we get this one right, hopefully there will be one on every corner. But you know, this is a woman's issue, and unfortunately, we haven't quite learned how to prioritize women's issues, let alone women's health and mental health issues. I mean, mental health period in this country has enormous stigma around it, let alone women's mental health. So. You know, not all hope is is lost here because an enormous amount of growth, as Catherine had said, is happening everywhere, right? Like we, you know, we're just reading an article and there's a number of similar facilities that are opening up all over the U.S. Is there anywhere near where there needs to be? Absolutely not. But the dial is shifting and with more and more people coming forward and sharing their story, um, it, it starts to create a movement of awareness. Uh, and so we're on that train. It's not necessarily moving at high speeds yet, but it's the conversation starting to shift. So I do feel confident that moving forward, depending on the outcome of our next election, we will see uh, we'll see more movement in this area. Can you get a little more specific? You three have obviously been there. I haven't. I And we've kind of generalized around what this place is. But what is it when you actually go in there? What's, what's available? What, uh, what are the specifics of you do. You say it so well, Paige. So, well, you know, starting with kind of the the vibe, um, Catherine and I had a really fun time designing the interior of the space. You were both the ones who started it just together, or there was another um, founder that was involved initially, um, and uh, you know, we wanted this to feel like a living room. And it was very important to Catherine, who started this initiative well before me to not be affiliated with a hospital for a number of reasons, but one of them being to have more autonomy over the space and environment. Because, you know, when you walk into a hospital, not all hospitals, but a lot of them feel very clinical and cold and white and, and you know, it doesn't foster that sense of warmth and nurturing. And that was really important in the design. And so in the color um, and in the vibe, uh, we really wanted women to feel comfortable the moment that they come in. So we provide a whole menu of options for new and expecting moms. Everywhere from, as I mentioned in the beginning, support groups, right, for pregnant and new moms who are struggling um, and they don't know if they need treatment or if they want treatment, but they can come and speak to other women about the real stuff. You know, we still feel like it's taboo to talk about the real stuff, right? Like, I know you had a, a great um, author on before, Jancy Dunn, who wrote one of our favorite books, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. We use it all the time. Um, and that's kind of one of those things where, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to talk about the incredible rage and resentment I feel towards my partner right now, right? Like I'm not allowed to talk about that outside. Or I'm not allowed to talk about the fact that I am totally ambivalent about having this child and I feel no attachment. I feel no bonding. 
I kind of want to hand the baby off to the person sitting next to me on the train, but like, I can't say that anywhere because people will think I'm horrible and maybe they'll take my baby away. So this support group is a nice first step for women to be able to come in and say, this is how I feel. And then someone else to be like, yeah, I feel the same way. And then someone else to say, I feel the same way. And then to feel the sense of like, oh my God, I'm not alone. And that is the most amazing feeling. It really, really yeah. is. Yeah. It really is. And so then, do people come for a session, for a day, for a week, for a month? I mean, is it? Well, they can come for the support group, as Paige describes. And then um, we also have outpatient therapy, like, okay. you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers who are all, everything is devoted to the perinatal period. So trying to conceive, fertility issues, loss um, you know, birth trauma, you know, struggling at any point before, during, or after pregnancy, but related to the peripartum, right? Which peri around means around. So that's why we call perinatal. Um, and so we have that outpatient treatment. We have outpatient groups. Um, and again, why this place exists is around our, uh, the centerpiece of the, of the, uh, motherhood center is this day program. Yeah. So, that's the unique piece that nobody else has. I mean, as Paige pointed out, there are a, um, a handful of other programs around the country. They all exist within hospitals. We are the only one of its kind that exists, or we're the first of its kind that exists outside of a hospital in a completely neutral place that we've made. I kind of feel like urban zen. You know, it, it's, it's, it really does. It, it, you guys have done <laughs> such an amazing job. I mean, Thank really. Thank you. Well, that was the goal, right? And, I, you know, I've been a, a physician on faculty at Cornell for a long time. And and while I love it there, it's a hospital. And I had a lot of patients for a lot of years who would say, I, I, I love to see you, but I don't want to come to the hospital. Or I had a bad experience. Why, why do I have to be here? Why do I have to, like, see these, you know, people in wheelchairs and hanging, you know, bags and being gurneys? And it's just too much for me. I need to be, you know, it's so nice to be in this this kind of private space of just this womb, right? So it was a big deal to try and do this. And we um, we got a license to do it from New York State and the Department of Health and um, to run this kind of intensive program. It's intermediate level of care. So it's not an inpatient unit where you go overnight. And it's not just the outpatient piece or a support group. It's all day long. It's 9.45 to 2.45 every day, and it's group therapies plus individual. You get pulled out for individual therapies and medication management and family meetings, but the the group is the most powerful piece. It is hands down. People walk in and like, I don't, I don't do groups. I don't talk. And, you know, it, the group is the change agent, right? We are facilitating that, but the moms and the camaraderie and the universality of the struggle is everything. You see yourself coming and going. And what's nice, people are generally there from two, four, six weeks. You know, it's often on a maternity leave or if someone's taking a leave of absence because they're not kind of thriving or doing as well as they they want to, um, they'll spend time with us. And when they first come in, they're like a deer in headlight. They're just so – you just – you know a new – you know a newcomer, mm -hmm. right? And what's so beautiful about the groups is when people are on their way out, they look – I mean, I did not recognize, I just saw her in the hall before I, I came over here, a woman who literally, I remember I did her evaluation. Everyone comes in through an intake. So everyone comes in the same way because you don't know what you need. So you, we have one phone number, 212-335-0034. Paige is proud of me. <laughs> and we have one phone number. You call that and you don't have to know. I mean, I always, we always, we've taught the uh, clinical care coordinators, uh, we're like, People are going to call. They're not going to know what they need. They're not going to know what they want. They might just cry. They might say, "We, we it's our. We will receive you and help you figure it out. And if we're not the right place for you, we'll get you somewhere." It was very important to us that nobody got turned away or but got helped somehow. If it wasn't with us, somewhere, and um, we'll help you figure that out and figure out what your place is. But this one woman who came in, I, I saw her for her initial evaluation. I'm telling you. I did not recognize her. She was coming in, and then I didn't see her again for a while because I'm on one side of things. And she was she came in for an outpatient visit. It wasn't that much longer after she had left the day program. She introduced herself to me. She said, hi, Dr. Runder, do you remember me? I was like, oh, my wow. God. I was like, you, you were a shell of a yourself. Yeah. You know, and she's like, I know. Yeah. And she was transformed, and that's a word people use a lot in there you can't imagine that it can happen in some way so quickly like four to six weeks but if you're in five therapies a day five days a week 
you're in, you're down there and you're in intensive, you're in an intensive place, mm -hmm. learning skills, doing trauma informed yoga, art therapy, uh, you know, DBT skills groups and uh, dyadic work, mother baby, you know, work in terms of attachment and bonding. I mean, it's all there and we are on it mm -hmm. and they get this very rich experience that is transformational. And a lot of my patients will say, like, again, in some ways, why this began is because I couldn't keep doing this in my outpatient office. I was running kind of a day hospital over the weekend. I'd be like, call me, check in. Let's see what's going on. I needed to, I'll see you more this week because you're not doing well. And it just like, it's too much. It's too much for the outpatient providers when women are this acute and you need a place to come. And it, and my patients walk in and say, why wasn't this here for me? I'm like, it's because of you that it's here. Mm -hmm. You inspired it, right. right? You made it so that this had to exist because it, it, we can't do it any other way. It's just this, It's and it's working and people feel better and they we are changing generations. There's this almost like generational phenomenon, right? Because if we're helping them and um, we're helping their babies, we're helping future families, it's just, it feels so good to to see this transformation and to hear the stories women tell us. It be, it, it's like, I don't even, yeah, I could just blather on. I'll just stop. But About how many women do you have there at a time? The census varies. Um, we opened our doors in March of 2017 with three. And it was, it was an interesting process getting them in because we were just opening our doors. And I remember giving lots of tours to partners who were like, wait, there's nobody here. And I'm like, oh, but we're really good at what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. There will be. <laughs> it's, this is good stuff. Um, but we've been as high as 16. Um, and we usually average around 8 to 12, I'd say. Um, but because of the success of the program and because word is out on the street that we exist and that people get better faster and that PMEDs are treatable and we provide a really amazing quality of care, um, we're expanding. And so we're we're looking to have a census of 18 um, and be able to take up even more space so even more women can get the help and treatment that they need. Uh, and so we, we built the ship and they are coming. Um, and we just hope that they keep coming. And, you know, the one thing that's really fantastic about moms when they leave, and I can always tell when they're starting to get better because that one day they'll look up and be like, I'm really pissed. And I'll be like, why are you pissed? Because nobody told me that this was going to happen to me. And I don't want other women to have to go through this. And I want to do something about it. And so many women have graduated the program wanting to make a difference in this conversation. And because of it, we're actually creating an ambassador program for graduates of the day program who are totally committed to education and awareness. And even independently, we'll like go and show up somewhere and, and talk about things. But we've had moms that have graduated on the Today Show. We've had them be on panels with us. We've had them come and give presentations with us and share their stories. They are the influencers in this. They are the mouthpiece of being able to normalize this phenomenon and give other women permission to seek help and feel better and tell the truth. So um, we're really excited about that ambassador program. And they'll be running around the city really using their voice as a tool for change. I love that. Okay, so people who are listening right now who maybe have gone through it and are saying to themselves, I want to help. <laughs> I haven't been through the program, unfortunately. But, you know, I want to help. How can they help? I always say call Paige. <laughs> and she, um, she will tell you. What's the number again? 212-335-0034. You're good at that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Are there address? ways? Yeah. Are there ways yeah. to the motherhoodcenter.com? Yes. Yes. The, the motherhoodcenter.com. Motherhood there are ways to get involved. Yeah. I mean, certainly as we build out the ambassador program, there'll be more and more opportunities for quote unquote survivors to get involved. Um, you know, what's important for listeners to know, especially if they're not located in the tri-state area, is that postpartum support international is, it's kind of like the mother, grandmother, and woman of all things PMAD related. They've been around since the eighties. Um, and their primary focus is to be able to connect women who are suffering from PMADS to treatment in their local communities and provide them with resources and referrals so they can get the care and support they need. But they've branched out and do so many other things. And so there are volunteer opportunities for women that have previously suffered and struggled through a PMAD to 
offer peer support um, and to be a loud force on their social media platforms. There's volunteer opportunities there. And then if you are in New York, in the New York State area, there's the Postpartum Resource Center of New York. Um, and they also have a hotline where survivors answer the phone 24 hours a day and, um, and, and can provide referral and support to women that are currently struggling. So, you know, I would encourage people, you know, look in your community. There's probably other programs that are out there that we're not familiar with, but PSI, Postpartum Support International, is probably the best the best thing to look into. And they do training and certification if you're interested in getting more kind of clinical, concrete information around PMAD. So... Okay. And does yeah. the motherhood center need donation? Like, do you guys take donations or is it? We're working towards it. Okay. So we can You'll certainly keep us updated. Take them. We can't give a tax write off yet because okay. we don't have that status yet, uh-huh. but we're working towards it. And certainly we take donations. We just can't, you know, some people are like, you know, they want to get a tax write off, which we, we totally, you know, would like to do and working towards. So, yeah. um, yeah. But right, you'll keep us updated on we'll that. We sure will, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I want Adam to visit the center. Definitely. Come visit Adam. You sure. can run the partners group with me. I can, what, what can you I can do? You can come run, run the partners group with me. Sure. Yeah. I, sure. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I want yeah. a little lesson first, but sure. Yeah, this I Friday I just at 9 a.m. Right <laughs> this Friday at 9 a.m. Every Friday at 9 a.m. Oh, oh, wow. Tell us when. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I mean, what you guys are doing is incredible. And um, I hope people will go to your website just to get a sense of what it is and maybe start demanding that, you know, we're – areas more you know more places like this open up because my god and you guys are so brave for what you did because i know you guys gave up a lot to start this and um as a you know former sufferer myself i'm super grateful to you well you are brave too right you you are one of those advocates and ambassadors that are willing to share your story and your struggle and not run away from it but to run towards it and to allow this time and opportunity to speak about it because this is how we make a difference so thank you for having us oh no problem but i do think i think it's contagious once one person tells their story everybody else does so powerful all right well everyone go check it out the motherhood center thank you Paige. And Catherine. Thank Thanks you for both. Having us. Thanks, All right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.